calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello, I'm Dan LaRago from CFA Institute. Welcome to the next episode in our Take 15 series. Today's topic is executive compensation. Recently, the CFA Center for Financial Market Integrity produced a manual which represents guidance to investors to determine the appropriateness of executive compensation levels. Today, we have the good fortune to have with us Jim Allen, who is with our Center for Financial Market Integrity. Jim, with respect to this manual, could you please tell us, starting from the top, what the manual is and what it is not? Let me start with what it is not. It is not a uh, description of how much executives should be paid uh, at public companies, nor does it a, provide any sort of formula to help investors conclude that this is, you know, to determine how much to pay senior executives. What it is is an attempt to uh, alert investors to what the principal governance structures are behind the, the development of executive compensation plans, as well as what the different elements of executive compensation are uh, that are used by public companies in paying their senior management. The manual is intended to be global in nature. Could you tell us which countries have the best disclosure requirements and which regions still have the most work to do? Well, the markets that have the, the best disclosures are the United States. Uh, Canada is right up there. In fact, they just came out with uh, some proposals that mirror fairly closely the disclosure requirements in the United States. Uh, the UK and Australia have some pretty good disclosures. Uh, France has some uh, very good disclosures with regard to executive compensation. Even Ger uh, Germany does as well, though in some cases they can opt out of the disclosure requirements. A disclosures is, a, is an interesting discussion because uh, there's, some, there's a school of thought that says that uh, uh, more disclosure of executive compensation leads to faster growth in executive pay. Uh, there's some studies out there that show that that hasn't been the case. Uh, in the UK, for instance, after they implemented a say on pay a couple of years ago, the rate of growth declined from around 16% to 8%. Uh, that was as a result of you know, having, uh, having to give investors the information to be able to make a, a non-binding judgment and vote on whether uh, executive compensation was okay. In the United States in 2006, uh, the rate of growth declined from about 16% to 9%, which was the first year it was in single digits for, uh, well, since 2000, the recession in 2002. Uh, some of the primary reasons why that, uh, the, well, in 2006 it was a strong economy versus 2002 when there was a recession. 
The primary difference is that in 2006, now companies had to uh, expense their stock options on the income statement, which is, of course, a, a form of transparency, as well as the uh, increased uh, disclosure requirements that the Securities and Exchange Commission required of publicly listed companies in the United States during that, that for the following year. Put yourself in the place of an investment analyst. Based on all of the recommendations that are in the manual, can you suggest the top three or four things such an analyst should be focused in on to help him or her determine the appropriateness of executive compensation levels? One of the principal things that uh, that I would look for would be uh, the tying of executive compensation to uh, performance and performance relative to a group of peers or other companies within the uh, within the company's industry, um, the idea of of just performance-based compensation without relative to without being relative to the performance of others uh, was tried in the 1990s, uh, and people were being uh, compensated for uh, performance in the general stock market as without any real uh, way to distinguish between. Uh, stock market performance and management performance. So the tying of, of executive compensation to, uh, to relative to performance is, is one key thing that I would be looking for. Another thing is the ability of the company to claw back um, uh, or, uh, compensation from senior executives that was earned as a result of financial reports that uh, have to be restated within, within a few years. Uh, we've had some of this here recently with some of the mortgage companies and some of the banks that have had to go back and and uh, take uh, charges that have wiped out uh, at least one or two years' earnings. Um, those are the sort of situations that uh, those senior executives may have been paid quite handsomely for the good years, uh, but now in the long term, share owners are having to pay uh, as a result of the losses. So clawbacks are another very important thing. And probably the third most uh, third important thing, and I wouldn't say that it's uh, any less important than the first two, would be the level of transparency. A level of transparency in terms of their uh, uh, willingness to share information, be forthcoming on the strategy that they use to pay their senior executives, uh, as well as uh, uh, in those markets where it's not required to provide the, the information about uh, uh, how much senior executives are making to go ahead and, and be uh, proactive and reporting that information. I understand that the manual is not intended to be a cookbook, a formula for determining how much executives should be paid. Still, this is a hot topic this year with the U.S. being an election cycle. Can you give us some guidance as to situations where executives are overpaid and where perhaps they're not paid enough? Well, Apple Computer has benefited quite nicely from the compensation that they've made to Stephen Jobs. And, you know, just a quick look at the, their proxy statement, and you see that uh, he's earned a dollar a year for the last couple of years. He had a stock grant a few years back that, uh, that was uh, uh, provided him with something in the range of about five and a half million shares. He's now the second largest owner of shares in the company. And uh, they've had a compound annual growth rate in net income, cash flow, and share price of right around 100% for the last uh, three to five years. So they have uh, had some significant uh, benefits. Now, 
what's the what's the the uh, sort of special sauce for Apple? Uh, I'm not absolutely sure what you could say that, except that Stephen Jobs apparently cares very much about what he's doing and he wants to win. <laughs> so um, you know, you could say that uh, you know the, that may be sort of a special case. Um, so what you try to do, I think, with executive compensation package with your strategy is try to provide something that gets people to get your normal run-of-the-mill CEO to act somewhat similar to that of Stephen Jobs. On the other side of things, there was uh, a study that was done by uh, Lucian Bebchuk from Harvard University on uh, Fannie Mae from a couple of years ago that uh, they've had some significant write-downs. They've had uh, uh, they've they've had to rewrite earnings for uh, several years, uh, and yet the pay for the CEO was never uh, they were never they never claw they never were able to claw back that uh, compensation. So uh, share owners of, of, of that company were uh, paying out both in terms of executive compensation and in terms of the, uh, the reduced share value and losses that they had from... That's an interesting point. We've talked about specific situations, Apple and Fannie Mae. In these cases, is it possible that compensation wasn't the motivating factor for chief executive officers that we think it ought to be? You're not going to be able to always bring those out, and, and many people are, are going to be motivated, at least in some ways, uh, by the compensation that they receive or the compensation that they don't receive. Uh, if you were to, you know, if you were to pay some, if you were to say to somebody that you're not going to get paid, you know, if you do this, well, you know, chances are they, probably, they might not do that. Uh, same thing if you're going to get paid quite handsomely, if you can, you know, create a strategy that creates long-term uh, share owner wealth, and oh by the way, you'll be you'll be able to join in that uh, uh, increase in wealth because we'll be giving you some you know share-based uh, compensation. Well, the hope is that you might be able to to uh, get that person to act more like the uh, Stephen Jobs of the world. Along with the manual. How can investment analysts utilize proxy voting services, such as ISS, to make better judgments about the appropriateness of executive compensation levels? The proxy services essentially are one tool in a, in a larger toolbox that investors have to look at. Um, one of the reasons we, we wrote the manual in the manner that we did was because we felt that uh, no two investors would be able to look at it the same way. We, we couldn't come up with a set of best practices because of that. Uh, so in the same sense, the uh, proxy services come at it with their perspective, but that may not match the perspective of the individual investors that are in, involved in this. Therefore, they have to go back and do their own due diligence. Uh, the proxy services are, a, are an, an important and valuable tool, but they're much there, you, investors shouldn't necessarily rely on, upon them any more than they would rely upon, merely rely upon a credit rating for an investment in a fixed income security. Among those who have studied the matter, is there any general agreement about what has caused the explosion in executive compensation? I don't think there's any any agreement about what caused it. Uh, there's some that say that. Uh, 
the greater disclosures required by the Securities and Exchange Commission in the, I think it was 1994, was principally responsible. But I, no, actually, I think that was in 1992, they were principally responsible. But I, uh, if you look at the data, I believe that there are some other things happening here at the same time. Uh, first of all, Congress put a cap on how much companies could deduct for uh, non-performance-based compensation at a million dollars. That forced companies to go out and look for other ways, performance-based compensation to, uh, to compensate their executives. Uh, at the same time, uh, universities and academics at universities were coming up with some ideas about uh, the use of stock options as a, as a performance measure. The idea being that uh, if the uh, executives own shares in the company, they would have interests that are the same as, as investors. That was all very well and good. Uh, it was, it was uh, a good way of tying, linking those interests. The problem with it was, was at the time, the accounting rules did not require companies to expense those stock options. So it was almost like free money. They were giving stock options away, but there was no real reporting of it in the, uh, in the financial statement. So it didn't, it, it, it was almost, it almost looked like it was free. So the numbers started going up soon thereafter. And, uh, I think that was, if you look at some of the, uh, the, the, anecdotal evidence that the combination of those three events, the capping of executive compensation uh, for tax purposes, uh, a non-base, non capping of non-performance-based compensation for tax purposes, the use of, the increased use of stock options, and the uh, uh, financial reporting rules that uh, did not require companies to expense stock options. I think those three things at the, the occurring at the same time in the early to mid-90s uh, were a principal reason for the uh, dramatic rise uh, in executive compensation over the years. And Jim, for those of our viewers who would like to receive a copy of the manual for themselves, where can they obtain it? They can get it for free at our website at uh, cfainstitute.org slash center. That's C-E-N-T-R-E. And they can find it there. It's called The Compensation of Senior Executives at Listed, Co Listed Companies, a Manual for Investors. Thanks, Jim. And thank you all for joining us. If you'd like to obtain further content, please feel free to visit cfawebcast.org. Copyright 2008, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.